Hi, everybody. Fine. Oh, my God. I didn't know you were starting. God. Oh, God. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. Gab, what are you drinking? Currently, right now, in this moment, I am drinking an Angry Orchard Hard Apple Cider Crisp Apple. What are you drinking? What are you drinking, buddy? I'm drinking, uh, I am a sober fan tonight, actually. Unfortunately. I'm, I'm drinking for the two of us. Yeah, you're drinking for two. That's a big responsibility there, buddy. I'm happy to take it on. Did anything happen soccer-wise recently? I don't Oh, I think. oh man, it's been like a week since we last recorded. It's been like nine days, maybe, since we put out a podcast. I think everything is have, fine. What could have happened in nine days? Uh, nothing. Everything is fine. Tony DeChico assured us that everything is fine. I'm pretty sure everything is awesome. Um, and everything is cool when you're part of a team. Oh, wait, everything isn't fine. The United States won the Algarve, but... They don't look like a World Cup winning team. Wait, we did what? We won the Algarve tournament. We what? scraped our way through group. Um, scraped our way through group. We we dominated that shit up until the last match. If that's what you call domination. There was a good 45 minutes in that one game against Switzerland. Was where it, we dominated. Was it good or was it better than we've been? Hey. There was a 45-minute period of time where we dominated over Switzerland. Yeah. And I'll take it, and I'll take it, and punch my ticket to the final, and guess what? We beat France, even though they didn't have all their starters, and they were exhausted because they just played Japan, and we killed them and beat them 2 nothing, and we're the Algarve champions. Ergo, we're not going to win the World Cup because who the fuck ever wins the Algarve, and wins the World Cup in Sanya. Not anybody. Thank you, USA. Thank you, Jill Ellis, for winning the Algarve, thus destroying my hopes and dreams of winning the Women's World Cup. That was some logic there, buddy. I'm drinking, I'm drinking for two tonight. What can I say? There were bright spots. My assessment of France, other than all the stuff I put in a match write-up, I think we won on the backs of some good individual performances, but as a team, if we had played as a team, like a good team, then we probably would have won that game like three or four to nothing. We we would have won. We should have won three to four to nothing in the final. I think so. If we had played as a team, if we had managed, you know, more ball possession and better pass rates. Um, Chris Henderson on Twitter will link his profile was tracking stats and overall France made 450 total passes and the United States made 265. Um in the yes. second half possession was 60-40 in favor of France. Uh passes were 270 to 139 once again in favor of France. Pass completion was 72% to 57%. So guess who that 57% was? Not us. It was us. Oh damn it, I failed. I'm really bad at tests. He also counted uh, passing strings that were three passes or more in the second half. France made 42 strings that were three or more. The United States made 19. 
Yeah, we we really like the long ball. Oh yeah. Um, we really like the counter attack. We really like corner kicks and set pieces. Um, so your stats suck, and we are awesome because everything is awesome. I mean, in the first half, it was slightly better. It was fifty six forty four possession in favor of France. France passed one hundred eighty times. We did one twenty six, and pass completion was sixty eight percent to sixty one percent. Once again, in favor of France. I mean, you'll note in the first half is when we scored our two goals, and in the second half is when we also made some subs, but nothing, nothing really happened. I mean, it was it was one of those it was one of those matches where the USA can kind of bunker, um, can kind of sit on their heels, and we're up two to nothing uh, going in the second half, and you know it's it's not necessarily all about the attack at that point. Oh, but it's an opportunity. Haven't you heard? Two nothing is the most dangerous lead in soccer. Right, which is why it's not necessarily all about the attack. Yeah, but I don't necessarily know that she that based on subbing patterns, Jill was more intent on keeping us defensive, right? Because she subbed in Sid LaRue. And then she subbed sure. in Kelly O'Hara, but subbed her in as a midfielder. Yeah, and then moved her back when? She moved her back when she subbed out clean. She played left mid for a whopping 12 minutes before Abby got subbed in. Yes, but Abby got subbed in in like the 86th minute. Sure. I'm not sure that's necessarily... There was was zero game plan in the second half. Like, we weren't trying to do anything in the second half other than prevent them from scoring. And maybe that is a game plan. Like, Jill Ellis is UCLA. UCLA isn't known for having the, like, most complex of game plans. Well, it depends on what you think their goals are. If their goal was just win the Algarve, then they did it. But if you assume that the Algarve was also a place for Jalelis to test players and formations, then you might assume that in a game against France, which is top quality competition most of the time, she would have a more concrete game plan in terms of subbing and attacking instead of just trying to achieve a title that in the long run doesn't really mean anything. The title it that matters is... It means jack shit. It's yeah. not even a FIFA-recognized tournament. In the, t- the title that matters this year is the World Cup. Who fucking cares if we yes. lose it? Like, a lot of articles have pointed out that the United States will go into their friendlies now with kind of a spring in their step. They've got a, men- a mental boost, but would, but would losing to France in the final of the Algarve really, like, psychologically shatter them? They're going to have, what, four chances now to pretty thoroughly trounce some teams who are admittedly not, you know, top five or top ten teams. I think it has less to lo- less about losing to France, but the fact that they beat Norway, they beat Switzerland, they drew against Iceland, then they beat France. Like, like these are, the, the first two were, were matches that boost that ego. You're not going to go into a final and, and let like these players who are basically like bred to be champions like they're drinking the u.s soccer kool-aid that's that's what that's what they're there to do there's title in line they're gonna do everything they can to win that fucking title like when was the last time the u.s women's national team was in a final of any international game and did not win 2011 like that's just it's the Kool-Aid they drink every morning. It's poured into the coffee. It's it's part of the lunch that they have. Like that's just what they do. You can't expect them to go in this 
final against France and expect to be like, oh, it's all about tactics. Like, Jill Ellis is playing to win. Okay. These players are playing to win. It no. has nothing to do with like, oh, let's test out lineups. It's a fucking final. Yeah, I think a lot of people have actually acknowledged that, including me, but the point of this is we're pointing out that that's kind of a dumb mentality to have. I completely agree. But we can't, like, my point is, that's what U.S. soccer is. And if you want Jill Ellis to go in and test out players, fine, but that's not what she was doing by putting KO in there. That's not what she, she, that's not what she was doing. She was trying to win a fucking championship. Now, if you want to give Kelly O'Hara actual minutes in a position that she might potentially actually play in, that's completely different than what she actually did. You're saying she made sub patterns to try to test out different lineups. No, I was presenting two different motives, but I don't think her actual motive was to tinker. It depends on what you think her motive is. And if you accept that her motive was just to win, then it's clear that the second half was book kiss. I agree. I mean, I think the United States probably learned a lot more from that draw against Iceland. We'll never know, because the United States has clamped down on most of the evidence. They didn't even put out a quote sheet. They, um, for some reason took down the game highlights from YouTube, but left them up on the website. It just—it's just one of those things where it's like they—they they didn't even leave the the quote sheet. Like usually there are quotes associated with the match report. Yeah. Instead, we got those quotes from <laughs> the players and the like. Oh, no. we're going to the final. No, we got the quotes from Jill Ellis and the Iceland coach, where essentially he was like. If I had that team and they perform like that, like I don't, I think he basically called out Jill Ellis on being a bad coach, and Jill Ellis responded very Americanly, "Look at the scoreboard, bro." I mean, I could also believe she was mad at Iceland being too rough on the United States. Even the players in the interviews are like, "Usually we're the ones being that physical, but this time, it was just come at me, bro." Yeah, I wouldn't have minded seeing a lot more of that press conference. That's because I love drama. That's why I watch so much TNT. Well- it's it's just it's just one of those like really interesting scenarios where finally another international coach is calling US soccer out on the shit that we've all been seeing. No, you're absolutely right. It's not like he divulged some secret only coaches could have seen. Like he used his eyeballs, his special eyes to to see what happened on the field and then like stated what happened. So, I mean, he only, he was the only one that saw with his eyeballs what happened on the field because none of us could see that shit. (laughs) Because apparently it gets really dark in the Algarve during one match, but not necessarily, well, no, during both matches, but only one stadium has adequate lighting for Fox soccer and the other one doesn't have adequate lighting because we don't have, you know, this issue with like high school football or anything where we have to truck in lights with generators and things like that to be able to broadcast shit. They're not going to make that kind of effort. I mean, it's fucking Fox soccer, dude. It's the match that determines whether or not they go to the final. I will say, aside from the Iceland final, who who the fuck knows what really happened? Other than that, I've kind of been pleased with the way Fox has been covering the team and promoting them recently. Oh, for sure. For sure. I have zero complaints about Fox soccer. So in the 90th minute of uh, the USA-Iceland game, Bet365 was showing that the United States had 10 shots to Iceland's two, and five of those shots were on target. Um, 
and they had 42 dangerous attacks to Iceland's 21. So literally twice as many. Oh, also yeah. seven, seven corners to Iceland's one. With all that attacking, and all the attacking players we had on the field in that game, and they still couldn't finish, was it I like... Didn't we throw every forward or any player who's ever played, except for, except for Crystal Dunn? We played... I think Crystal Dunn was the only player we had who has, at one point in her career, played forward, who wasn't playing forward. Oh, and Hope Solo. Hope Solo was the other one. Who's Crystal Dunn? Oh, okay. We you got you got to do another serial podcast about Crystal Dunn. <laughs> Jill Ellis is a serial roster disappearer. Right? You have to do an episode and then like a month or two months after you do an episode, Jill Ellis will listen to it and then she suddenly makes that player a fucking starter for a final of a tournament. Damn it. Yeah, it was us. We exposed her. She she knew she had to create an alibi. That was that was the uh, in depth investigating that you have come to know with two drunk bands. <laughs> or like... That is that is the type of investigative journalism that you are funding when you fund our Kickstarter. We, we are the Diane Sawyer and Connie Chung of women's soccer. Oh my God! Which one are you? Which one do you think? Diane Sawyer, of course. <laughs> that was not the one I was going to answer. Racist. Actually, my mom looks like Connie Chung, so I probably look a little like Connie Chung, too, yeah. So, at one point or another, we had, I mean, they played Press, A-Rod, Morgan, Wambach, LaRue, and in the mid, you know, they had Carlos Hayo was on, Tobin played, I don't know if Morgan Bryan counts. It was like, it was like the fucking all-star team, when they call up, like, all of your favorites. So, the question remains, on the day, was it simply a lack of finishing, or were they kind of getting around to the top of the 18 and getting dispossessed by a hard Iceland backline? Hey, guess what? We'll never know. <laughs> it's... We will never know. Uh... It would have been good on U.S. soccer to, like, record the whole match, kind of like they did in order to get, like, no, highlights. No, no. That's the what thing, What if though. they recorded the whole match and then, like, posted the whole fucking match? They're... So that we, we the, the, the soccer nerds, could go back through and watch this match. No, dude. They did record the match. They just didn't broadcast it. I know. U.S. Soccer has the footage. We're, we're not on the same page at all. Oh, you were being sarcastic. Yes, that would be nice if they had that footage. <laughs> I was just like, no, I was actually had a coherent thought. <laughs> we are wildly out of sync. We are so out of sync. Hey, speaking of sync. She had a decent Cypress Cup. She scored three goals, two goals? Two goals. Two goals. Anna had an That's assist. That's when she scored, like, all in 2014. Shh, 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 shh. We don't talk about that. Shh. No, 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 Dobby. No, Dobby. No. Um, I believe that she didn't score in the third. I believe. I believe that. I believe that she didn't score in the third game against Italy because Herdman was playing her much deeper, and that's what it looked like from the lineup. Once again, we'll never know because... Cyprus isn't broadcast at all. The team has footage, and Canada Soccer is pretty good about posting highlights and live tweeting, but in this day and age, in a World Cup year where Canada's the host nation, it just sucks that they're in a tournament in a place with no infrastructure for broadcast. I'm just saying, these teams that can produce highlight reels, hey, guess what? There are people who actually would want to sit around and have some popcorn 
and watch the entire fucking match, even though they know the outcome. Like, I'm more than happy to watch USA Iceland. If you post the entire 90 minutes to YouTube, I will watch the whole goddamn thing. Yeah. You're a sucker. Just raw footage, bare bones, no commentary, field mic. Not no even field mics. Field, not even field mics. It, should, it could just be booth. You could play fucking Katy Perry the entire match. Let's, let's not go overboard. I will still watch that. Let's not go overboard. I would just you mute can, it. You, you, you can mute it. Yeah. U.S. soccer. Yeah, Sink had some decent goals. The finishing was good. Um... Canada did fall short to England in the final of the Cyprus Cup. Herdman said, although I, I'm aware that a lot of people kind of tune out the moment you start a sentence with Herdman said, but... When you, when you start a sentence with Herdman said, yes, people tune out. Wow. Um, did you pick up on my sarcasm there? Herdman said that he thought that Canada <laughs> was actually the better team. But England was the one that finished on the day. And I saw that goal. And the ball... Yes, there was an unexpected bounce. It kind of surprised two players in the mid. But the defending was not great. And Leanne Sanderson fucking pounced on that ball and finished it. She she finished she it pounced like... pounced on it. She finished it like a slice of cheesecake. And the thing is, England is not a contender to win the World Cup. I don't think they're even a contender to make... I think if they make quarters, that's good. If Canada wants to have any hope of placing high, I think... I, I, if Canada wants any hope of showing up for their own fucking home country, yeah, they, need they have to, to be, figure their shit out. They need to be comfortably beating England. Comfortably. I'm not saying, like, you know, trouncing them or anything. Yeah, Canada needs to be... They, they need to look comfortable and in control for the majority of the match. Now, because we don't, we don't have any footage... That could have been what happened. What Herdman seemed to indicate was what happened. It's just England got that ball and Canada had a couple chances and didn't quite make it. I think, realistically, Canada would be happy if they came in third in this tournament. Final ranking Cyprus, England 1, Canada 2, Mexico 3. Uh, I thought Australia might finish higher, but they came in fifth. France, up until the final, was definitely looking less and less and less like a dark horse, if ever they were one. I, if you counted France out, I mean, yeah, France has, has the tendency to choke in big matches, but they have been getting progressively better and progressively stronger, and they have such a development like uh, system now that it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, you've got you've to gotta respect them. You've got to respect the French. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they what they can can actually come through with, and unfortunately the final wasn't a great example of that. But look at what they did in group play, and yeah, they didn't play their best players in the final, and uh, unfortunately that that bit them in the ass. And you could say that was poor management and all sorts of different things. But at the end of the day, I still think France is is a team that we that we have to have on the radar. France plays through the midfield like Jill Ellis says the United States plays through the midfield. I think Germany did okay, despite that 4-2 loss to Sweden. Sweden is at least going to be a spoiler in the World Cup. They're going to ruin somebody's run through knockout. Oh, they will. Absolutely. Absolutely. You imagine how much fun Pia, Pia will have at that? Yeah, Germany did okay. They, they took it 3-1 to Brazil, and they beat China 2-0. People might have watched that Germany-Brazil game, actually, because it got broadcast instead of the USA-Iceland. Yeah, it was on Fox Soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I appreciate. I appreciate that. I mean, you know, I guess they had this slot ready to go anyway, so they were like, oh, 
we're there, we might as well fill it with this other game, which turned out to be pretty watchable. Yeah, it was a it was a decent game. It was it was fun hearing the commentators talk so much about sausage. Yes, sausage played a huge role in that women's soccer game. You know the Germans love bratwurst, Wiener Schnitzel, all that stuff. You know they're they all love about sausage. The sausage. We are all about the base, but Germans are all about the sausage. I mean, on the one hand, the actual Algarve title doesn't mean anything, but through all the games, I think we got a decent little preview. A decent sneak peek at the World Cup. Yeah, a bit. Um, you know, you have to hope that France isn't peaking right now, um, or if they didn't peak like during the tournament. You have to hope that that they'll be able to pull their shit together and and uh, put together a good squad for Canada. Um, not yet, France. Just hold on. Not yet. Not, not, not yet. yet, France. Not yet. Let's let's do a little something else before you're ready. Yeah. Sweden was looking good. Uh, Japan, hopefully Japan, like, turns it around. I don't know what the fuck happened over there. Um, they got ninth place. Yeah, ninth. Uh, in, in the tournament, which, you know, it's it's not horrible. Like, don't don't sound the alarms. Don't count Japan out. But, like, the crap. Uh, what are you guys going to do? It's a little bit different. USA won. Bit of a kiss of death. Nobody who has ever won the Algarve has gone on to win the World Cup. But, you know, stranger things have happened. I would love if the USA keeps playing the way they did in that last match uh, in the second half. Or, no, I'm sorry, in the first half. Or if they play the way they played against Switzerland in the second half. I think USA had a decent 90 minutes the entire tournament. Like, if they can put those two 90-minute halves together and can stretch those two 90-minute halves out over an entire tournament, I think I think we're in a good spot for the World Cup. My first instinct was to be like, no, we gotta improve this and this and this, but man, it's too late. I agree with you. Like, that's, that's the tools that we have now. And I don't think we're gonna win off some kind of beautiful, flowing, fluid team performance. We're gonna win game to game based on some strong individual performances. It's going to fucking suck, man. We're going to we're going to just be headstrong and we're just going to muscle our way to that like trophy. We're going we're going to have to rely on Carly Lloyd to carry this team. <laughs> Carlos, just Carlos, keep your knee over the ball when you're like attacking a shot from outside the 18. Just keep your knee over the ball and keep it down and we'll probably be good. My I had a coach who phrased it as keep your nose over your toes. We 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 know enough youth soccer uh coaches together that we could probably come up with a whole laundry list of ways of putting that well, that you learn when you're like 6 years old. Another kind of big news item that happened recently was uh Noah Davis wrote for Soccer Gods an article about American outlaws and how they've become the dominant at least U.S. men's soccer team supporter group. I mean, kind I, know, of... I would I would say they're the dominant USA soccer supporters group. Yeah, I would say that too. I mean, they're probably the biggest uh, U.S. WNT supporter group too, just by default and like percentages. Absolutely, like Back for Pats has nothing on them. Like no. Back for Pats, if we if we charge membership, we would have a hundred people. So Noah wrote this piece about AO and how it's growing. It's pretty big now, and along with growth comes, you know, when groups are small, it's easier to police behavior, and as they get bigger, 
it's harder to maintain the level of individuals. It gets more mob-like. And there's some worry that AO is kind of turning into that frat SG, which I definitely see. I'm an, I'm an AO member. I have been for three, got this four years. Um, and like that, that quote frat perception is, is definitely strong. Like it's, it's definitely something that everybody's experienced, uh, experienced either through participation or experienced by being like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? But from my perspective, like joining AO is let's diversify this thing. Like let's figure out how to make this less happy. Let's make this less growy. Let's make this less, you know, cut off t-shirts, screaming in your face, chugging beers and playing drinking games at things um like let's make this something that everybody can participate in and and the article was was damning in the sense that it brought to light a lot of the issues that uh large organizations face you know the need to to start policing themselves uh i've also been timbers army member now for three or four years and we have security within timbers army like you see something, you say something, you tell somebody, um, and you know who those people are, and you feel comfortable that you're not going to get heckled, you're not going to get uh, turned away. And the fact that that the people in the, these articles like receive some sort of negative reaction is horrible, and it's it just it really sucks because it's a membership based organization that you're contributing funds to, and you're just like, you know, I want. I want everybody to feel inclusive. I want this to be what it's supposed to be. And, you know, AO has a code of conduct and it, and it has all these different things that it puts on paper, like within the, the code of conduct, it says like, what does it mean to be part of the family? Um, what does it mean when you're supporting something bigger than yourselves? When, when you say act above all of these different things, something else that they, they talked about is, you know, things that won't be tolerated. And unfortunately, like when an article like this comes out, um, it brings to light that sometimes the code of conduct isn't followed by everyone. So what do you do in those situations? Like, what do you do in a situation where you can't trust every fucking individual to follow this code of conduct? And I don't think AO really has a great solution to that right now because there are three people at National who are in charge of national shit. And then at each individual tailgate or party or whatever, it's usually the host city. Like, who do you go to? Do you go to somebody that you don't even know? Or do you go to somebody you do know and hope that they hear you and trust you and whatnot? And it's just dirty and it's gross. And well, I don't like talking about it. Like, I fully believe that a lot of the problems are focused more regionally than they are, you know, they're definitely not spread evenly throughout AO. No, definitely, definitely. But it's one of those situations where it's just like, I should feel comfortable going to a match in Salt Lake City, which I do. Um, I've been to a, a, a national team match in Salt Lake City. I should feel comfortable going to a national team match in Jacksonville, which I do. I've done that. I should feel comfortable going to Knoxville, Tennessee, or Dallas, Texas, or no, any of these places. No, the point, yeah, the point is, if you're not some straight white frat bro, you should feel safe going to any AO event. Right. And the, the thing is, I don't necessarily think that's true. I think AO is kind of at a crossroads where they need to decide what they want their image to be. AO is in a position right now, be it 2015, where they just came off of the Men's World Cup and they just did this phenomenal support show for the Men's National Team. 
And AO's being asked to do the same thing for the women's national team. All the way from tickets to housing to flights to all of the whole nine yards. Like, AO, treat the women's national team just like you did the men's national team. And then articles like this come out, and you're just like, rise above. Rise above and be better. And then what do they do? They get on Twitter, and they say, we have always asked people to to abide by our code of conduct. The one tweet that, that kind of pisses me off a little bit is um, they say, uh, there are issues with any group with 30,000 plus members, but despite what the article says, these are few and far between and not endemic of AO. I don't care if they're few and far between. They fucking happen. Yeah, like, if problems with AO are more regional, then national needs to let it be known like, it needs to filter down from the top that this shit's not to be tolerated. It's to be rooted out immediately. Like, and National needs to make it known. You know, this shit happens at a bar, at a party that AO is sponsoring. You t- bring that shit to the local chapter, let them try to deal with it. You bring it to the national chapter, let them take away local chapter rights. I am not comfortable saying AO should support women's soccer more until they support fans who are women until they create an inclusive atmosphere for fans who are women, fans who are minorities, fans with disabilities, uh, LGBT fans, right? Anybody who is not a straight, white, able-bodied frat bro in sunglasses, a muscle shirt, and with a bandana over his mouth. Just take ownership for your support. Be a grown-ass adult. You know, even if you're in college, like, that's no excuse. What did we learn this week with, like, fucking University of Oklahoma? Like, yeah. it's no goddamn excuse to think that you can, you're can you invincible. Like, all of your actions have consequences. The First Amendment does not mean you can do whatever you want and not see consequences. It's interesting you mentioned consequences because American Outlaws Phoenix tweeted about 45 minutes ago as of recording this podcast, American Outlaws Phoenix president Tony Hernandez regarding anti-AO and communist slant piece. <laughs> They called the article condemning, like, racism and sexism from AO members as a communist slant piece. This is going to turn real interesting real fast. Uh, Time and time again, this is a quote, this is a tweet from an organization that I belong to. Time and time again, we ask that everyone read our code of conduct and ask themselves if they're being the best member they can be. Yes, that's what we're promoting by doing all of the things that we do with zero accountability. Like, okay, you're just being felt up by somebody who bought you a beer and you get to go, all right, dude, I just have to stop you right there and ask you, are you actually being the best member you can be right now? The Phoenix chapter is actually accusing Noah Davis of purposely trying to divide and weaken AO. Unite and strengthen, motherfucker. To what end? Is he, Unite like, seeding the seeds of dissent so that they fracture and then another supporters group can sweep in and take over? Like, what? Is he trying to institute a coup? The other thing that needs to happen is there needs to there needs to be a culture of accountability. Just a sense that reporting is a normal thing to do. It's not, it's not something you have to be scared to do. It's not, you don't have to be like, I'm a whistleblower. It should be completely normal and everyone should back you up you if you see something that's intolerable or even just uncool to call it out now ao does have a form on their page yeah ao does have a form on their page for reporting 
And honestly, I have no idea what their reporting procedure is, like what they do with these reports once they get them. It's one of these things that like we live in a culture where everybody's afraid to report because then they're that person. They don't want to ruin everybody's fun. But you know what? Yeah. If one person's not having fun because they're being harassed or bullied or teased, then no one should be having fun. Right. You got to shut that shit down. Yeah. And because the one time one person's able to harass or bully or tease somebody, they're going to keep doing it because they think it's okay. They think they're being the funny guy. They think they're they're just, you know, messing around, horsing around, all that shit. And it takes one person to be like, dude, not funny. Australian Chief of Army, Lieutenant General David Morrison, I think gave a really good quote on this, which is the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. If you see this shit, not just an AO, in any supporters group, men's or women's teams, we gotta police this shit. Like, we cannot let soccer culture in America become a refuge for bros who just want to drink, grab women, and shout slurs at other people. I mean, there's there's enough negativity within soccer supporters worldwide. I mean, not even supporters, just attending a fucking soccer match. Like, what was the shit that happened this this week uh, at an Australian match? Oh, yeah. It was very charming. Some members of the British Army were in attendance at the Australia-England game in Cyprus and decided to sexually harass members of Australia's national team. Um, apparently, Servet Ozenlar really got it. She got it bad. She got the brunt of it. They were yelling things that I, quite frankly, don't want to repeat. Um, we'll That's link fine. to. You, you don't have to repeat it. Yeah, a lot of gendered slurs. We'll link to an article reporting on it. Even if you accept, like, boys will be boys, which I do not. I don't fucking accept that credo. A normal human boy who respects other human beings would not say these things. So we gotta nip it in the bud to say, that, like, oh, because you're in the terraces, you're in a stadium, there's a pitch, there's players on it, you can just say whatever the fuck you want. If you see another person behaving this way, call it out, man. Just call it out. Name and shame. Like, just realize, like, not everybody is fucking comfortable with everything that goes on in the fucking world. Everybody has different perspective. Everybody has different history. Your idea of enjoying yourself is contained to you. Your enjoyment of the game should not come at the expense of someone else's enjoyment of the game. Exactly. Like, your enjoyment of a moment should not impact anybody else's enjoyment of that moment and when that when that line gets crossed i really fucking hope somebody's there to kick you in the balls or slap you in the face that shit pisses me off not only because a it it crosses a line and it makes somebody else feel horrible and feel like they they have to be a whistleblower when in reality you're the fucking one that crossed the line um b you're giving a bad name to an organization that's trying to be a good organization and they're trying to be the best at what they're doing and that's really really hard and but it's a lot harder when there are a bunch of douches that are participating and supporting the fact that somebody is making other people uncomfortable and supporting the fact that somebody else is crossing lines and being like well you know so so and so shouldn't be so sensitive I don't care how fucking sensitive they are. If they, if if you're crossing a line, that's on you. It's not on them. Yeah, I don't think it's such a terrible burden for you to hold your mouth, uh, so that someone doesn't feel like shit. Or keep your hands to yourself. Yeah. So that somebody else doesn't feel like shit. Like boohoo, you didn't get to feel up somebody. Boohoo, you bought somebody a beer and you didn't get anything in return. Hey, guess what? They probably think you're a pretty nice person. 
So on that note, speaking of, you know, drinking and frat bros, obviously, let's close out on beer talk. (laughs) You have such a smooth transition. (laughs) Yeah, like from president to president. Beer talk. Okay, so beer talk. Um, I am not a huge fan of hoppiness. Neither um, am I. I like an IBU of less than 45. So when I look at a menu, that's that's the number one thing I look for. I really enjoy reds or darker beers. I'm not a huge fan of anything cloudy or, or, or whatnot. But lately I've been going through a lot of cider because secret, this is a secret between you and me and the people who listen to this podcast, I think I might be a little gluten intolerant (laughs) and so cider i wake up in the morning and cider does not make me feel like horrible i am also not a big fan of ipas but that's generally the limit of my pickiness um let's do top five beers like you you gotta pick i i I, I can do this i can do this because i have an app for that yeah you're like it it's like you're at wegman's and you can go to that section where you pick your own six pack fuck yeah we're gonna load our own six pack yeah do you want to do load your own six pack are we sharing a six pack like my top three your top three or we're each doing our own top six we'll do top three top three you're you're also allowed to include seasonal beers okay top three for me number three is uh widmer brothers hefeweizen Number two is. Do you know where that? Do you know where that's brewed? Is it in Portland? <laughs> it's brewed in Portland, Oregon. Number two is uh, Shipyard Pumpkinhead. I do not know where that's brewed. Uh, Maine. And number one is Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale. That sounds delicious. I think you've had it before, dude. Maybe, maybe. Who's it from? You can maybe guess from the title. It's from Kentucky. <laughs> Apparently, it's made by All Tech Lexington Brewing and Distilling Company. It's fairly strong. It's really tasty. Mm. Uh, you ready for my three? Yeah, bring it. All right. So I'm going to hit us with two reds, which actually go against what I had said earlier about not liking beers over a 45 IBU. So my number one beer, we'll drink it as often as I can, as long as there's nothing else on tap that I haven't tried, would be the Red Chair Northwest PA. Um, which is from Deschutes Brewery. It's a 60 IBU. It's an American pale ale. I love it. It's a seasonal beer. Um, it's only in season uh, in the wintertime. Um, the Red Chair has to reference the ski lifts that go up uh, in the Bend area. Um, Mount Bachelor, I think it's the, the mountain down there. Um, I'm not a skier, so I'm not entirely sure. My number two beer is the Free Range Red, which is from Laurelwood Brewing here in Portland. Um, It's an American Amber. It's a 60 IBU. I love it. Oh, my God. It's on taps all over the place. More often than not, I will actually get it. And then my third is actually going to be a cider. It's called the Nice and Naughty Bourbon Barrel Aged, which, again, to come back to your bourbon barrel theme, um, this one's from Two Town Cider. Uh, it's a 10.5% um, ABV, uh, which is pretty fucking fantastic. Wow. Um, and yeah, if, if I had my choice of three three beverages to put in a six-pack with yours, those are the three I would do. Two Towns is also an Oregon area beer. I mean, if we're going for high ABV beers, two that I really enjoy beyond Kentucky Bourbon Barrel Ale uh, one is Shipyard Smashed Pumpkin, 
which is, you know, high ABV pumpkin beer, but it's, it's so good. And the other one is called Delirium Tremens. Oh, I love it. It's the one with elephants. Yeah. It's the one with elephants all over the bottle. It's done oh by God, some Belgian beer. brewery. It's fucking Belgians, man. Uh, that was beer talk. Um, Hit me again. We'll probably talk about beer more. We should start talking about beer more. Yeah. This was a bit of a train wreck of an episode. <laughs> we apologize in advance. Uh, next time, Thrace will be drinking, which means um, she'll be able to participate in the fun that I'm having. Because I drank enough for both of us tonight and was able to stay on the phone the entire time. So I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I feel good about awesome. you too, buddy, but not yeah. the entire time. <laughs> oh, fun, then. Fine.